Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you each week by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Welcome back to the circus that is Tottenham Hotspur. The more things change, the more things stay the same. And there are four of us this week that are going to be taking you through the trials and tribulations of supporting Spurs and all the nonsense that goes with it. The usual two join me as always. That is, of course, the main man himself, Dave. Dave. Welcome back to The Plus Dave. How are you feeling today? And you enjoying the circus from afar that is Tottenham Hotspur and all the drama that surrounds us? I feel like I have to be honest and say that, no, I'm not enjoying the circus that is Spurs <laughs> from afar because you yeah. may not realise this, but some of the things that you do impact others. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't appreciate it when, when you guys don't follow through in your promises. There were several gifts and memes that I sent you guys in the WhatsApp group saying, you better f***ing be Everton. <laughs> Unreliable. I want to apologise, Dave, but you should know better by now. You shouldn't expect anything from us. Um, a man who I expect will have equally little sympathy is Elio, who once again joins us as always. Elio, welcome back. Hello. What's your language going to be like this week, do you think? Uh, is this going to be a, a lot of bleeps, do you expect? It depends which part of the current circus that is Spurs, as you so eloquently put it now, I'm invited to comment on. So basically anything you ask me will get the expletives. Yeah, so it'll be my fault if uh, if it happens. Okay, fair enough. As we well know, all my misdemeanors and moments of miscreation are your fault. (laughs) You are the catalyst. Fair enough. Seems accurate. And completing a hat-trick of guests, and a man who is long overdue a Plus Dave appearance and has not been on for quite some time, it is indeed another Dave, also known as Pricey, David Price, our reigning FPL champion, no less. And a man who, the last time was on this show, with the exception of our FPL special, was right as we had appointed Antonio Conte. Pricey, welcome back. That went well, didn't it? <laughs> It's so well. I'm still, still, in the, still in the honeymoon period. Oh, wait, he's been sacked. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, have you not done the reading? Uh, Sorry. Uh, oh, I sent you a whole booklet to catch uh, up. No, thank you. Um, yeah, and, and, and good, good. it's not really good to be back, is it? To be honest, it's it's horrible. I've picked an awful time to, to come back. I should have come on when we were actually winning some games, but but no, here I am. Yeah. Well, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So uh, it's time for you to be tough and talk about Spurs with us. So let's see how, how we go. Goes. On the agenda today, of course, we are going to talk about that horrific performance at Goodison Park, as well as the circus that I alluded to earlier, which is centering around many key figures in the senior hierarchy at Spurs, not least of all, Mr. Paratici, who is causing some drama all of his own. And of course, we're going to be looking ahead to our next game, which is against Inform Brighton, who are currently managed by a man that many Spurs fans would like to see managing us next season, which is an interesting lineup. And we'll give you the latest on our potential manager search and who could or could not be potentially taking on the unimaginable task of trying to restore Spurs to some kind of glory. So um, going straight into Everton Spurs then. Elio, I'm going to come to you for what I imagine might be the first of the aforementioned expletives. What the hell happened? Why did we decide to sit back on a 1-0 lead against 10 men, against relegation fodder, and try and play, manage the game out? I don't on. think we did sit back on a 1-0 lead against 10 men. I think we sat back on a 0-0 against 11 men from about the 20th minute onwards. Mm. And then when we had the sending off occur, a very rightful sending off, we decided to attack for the first time since the first off. 
got a penalty, scored yeah. a goal, and then decided to sit back all over again. So, yeah, we sat back on a one lead against 10 men, but we'd been sitting back on the nil-nil against 11 the whole match. Anyway, we were scared of yeah. a side in the relegation zone because that is the imprint that our elite manager has left on this set of by and large attacking footballers. Who can explain it? Yeah. Not me. I'm just a dumb We're fan. still blaming Conte then. Fair, yeah, fair enough. I imagine the pressure was just too much for them because Dave had demanded that they beat Everton for his sake. So I think yeah, on, it's uh, my on fault. Dave, that one. It's definitely your fault, Dave. Uh, Pricey, I want to get your thoughts on this. So we haven't really talked too much about Spurs in recent weeks, but I know last week we were talking about the faint possibility that something could change this week with Delini taking over uh, for this game. And um, I think a few of us were dreaming about a 4-2-3-1, even though there's no good reason to think it would happen because obviously every time Stelina had taken over so far, it had just been plug and play with Conte's tactics. Were you surprised at all by the formation staying the same and the system being largely the same kind of football? Is that more or less exactly what you were expecting? Uh, no, I, I think it was what we were expecting. It largely dominated by or governed by the sheer number of injuries that we have at the moment in the squad. Yes. To be honest, there's not yeah. much we can do creatively with the team that we have. Oh, Newcastle are one up. Callum Wilson, there you go. Um, oh, there we go. Live update. <laughs> live, live. Yeah, I, sh- I should add, by the way, it is about 10 past eight. So both the Man United and Newcastle games are underway and we are going to have periodic updates of the scores because obviously both of those games affect us massively. Newcastle United. Newcastle United. Reliable. Tottenham Hotspur, unreliable. <laughs> good, good Newcastle. Well done, Newcastle. Newcastle Sorry, United had a manager all season. We've had a charlatan. Mm. In the last 50 episodes since you've been on, the professionalism has dipped a little bit. You might have to get used to a few more of those interruptions. <laughs> no, anyway. Nothing new there. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, there's not much we can say about kind of formation squad. We've kind of got a play with the players yeah. that we've got barely players of that to be honest so yeah I, yeah I, I i i think i probably speak for everyone it's just do you know what i think let's just get this season done with and then let's get someone in who actually wants to <laughs> to play decent football um i don't, don't, don't briefly interrupt us again i do apologize i just want to point out that <laughs> callum wilson was completely unmarked for that header by myth of a footballer england wonder boy declan rice <laughs> <laughs> who, who also just missed an absolute sitter in like literally the 10th second of the game so he's having a 100 million apparently my balls are getting more expensive by the minute <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do listeners the service of explaining that reference. You can just let your mind fill in the gaps and be suitably disturbed. Um, I'm starting to think that this live update of the matches is going to be very distracting. It might have been a horrible idea, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, was, what were our thoughts on Hugo Lloris returning to the lineup? Is that good? Did we want to see Hugo come back in, or was there part of you thinking Forster deserved to carry on? Yay! Yeah, look, I, I, again, it's, it's, it's like having to pick between, I'm trying to think of a, a PC analogy because I was, I was going to go with either SARS or getting really serious COVID. Um, it's just, I, it's a really shit situation. I'm still really annoyed that we, we should have gone out in the January window and just got a decent mm. keeper in. Larice is geriatric and should retire from life, let alone like international football. Um, and look, I, I respect Forster in terms of what he's done since he's come into the squad, but he's not an elite Premier League level keeper. And and it was good to see Lloris back in because I think he's best of a bad situation. But it's just got to be one of the many things we address um, when it comes to the summer. 
Indeed, yeah, many, many things to address. God, I, I closed my eyes for a second. I thought Elio was speaking some of the comments there. I, I thought Elio was the one who's going to have to give me all the editing to do, Pricey. Um, you've definitely stepped it up a notch. Um, Dave, I often start things off by asking you if you actually did us the service of watching the game. I expect, as we discussed with the importance this game held for you, uh, you did watch at least some of it. How did you think the first half went? Because for me, I thought Spurs were a little bit better in the first half, which isn't saying much. But I mean, I, I had it in the background, Dags, and it was <laughs> and it was not it was not making me want to watch it. Let's put it that way. It wasn't drawing my eye, uh, I, and, and I did get to a point where I okay. was just you know flicking my eyes down whilst cooking. Or doing anything. I think I might have had another show on another screen. That's how little the Spurs game was interesting <laughs> me. Um, but I was keeping a little bit of attention to it. I was also yeah. following it through the WhatsApp group because that is my favorite way of following your games. Oh, by a you know what? Mile. For the latest in a long line of interruptions, that's a great opportunity to mention. As you guys all know, I've lost my phone over the last week or I've, I've broken my phone. So I've been out of contact and I've not been on the infamous WhatsApp group. So Dave, if, if you could, I don't know if you can scroll back to just get a few gems oh, that I okay. might have missed. Just fill me I, in on I'm, it. I'm if almost you, nothing, nothing too, I can't um, say anything. Yeah, nothing <laughs> too libelous if you, if you don't mind. But anything that jumps out that could be funny, just, just over okay. the course of this episode well, that you can well, read out to us, would be quite insane. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look. And I'll, and yeah, I'll, yeah, have, and have I'll just drop through. some in occasionally oh. just for the comedy element. While you do that, I'll come to Elio. Obviously, the way it ended was horrible. Was there anything good to take away from the first half, at least? Was, was there any part of it where you thought we were playing some decent football? Um, or was it just... We put together a few nice triangles when going forward early on in that initial spell. Mm. We we did actually create a little bit initially, a little bit of interplay that led to chances that more confident attackers may well have taken. Uh, Harry Kane started over a couple of ricochets in the box a couple of times. Um, Kulisevsky did get in behind, but I'll, I'll tell you what, Ben Godfrey playing in probably his worst position of the defensive backline as a right-footed centre-back did a very good job on him because mm. he very much nullified one of Kulisevsky's big strengths, his strength. So praise to Ben Godfrey there. So I, th- I thought there was some good interplay and some good sort of intense in the opening 15-20 minutes but then it just dipped off straight away it's very reminiscent of performances earlier this season performances that I'm now pining for compared to what we've had recently to tell you the truth where we were starting (laughs) games well and then tailing off very very quickly so I do think there were some positives the fact that going forward we can actually play football is a clear plus but Definitely far more negatives. The way we dropped off, the way we surrendered possession to a Sean Deitch side. I mean, God, it, it's like, I, I don't even have a comparison for that. It's just pathetic. Um, that their, their midfield was Garner Gate, Decore, and uh, who's, who's the young boy that's done quite well, just broke into the Belgian squad as well. Um, Anana. Anana, which three. What's his name? Three. Off. Uh, um, so three decent footballers by all rights but not midfielders who should control possession against us as a combination so it was quite disheartening i thought romero had a relatively decent fist of it to, from from the back line i think poro definitely looks like he's adapted to premier league football already i, I don't see yeah. too much wrong with what he does i thought skip and hoibia also hoibia in patches did all right a couple of really nice passes from hoibia actually when we were on top but but overall it was it was all very after the lord mayor's show it was all very passive and it was just a continuation of 
what we've been putting up with since the day they appointed Mourinho, basically. This is just, yeah. there's a third season in a row of this, this insipid bullshit and I'm fed up. Live update, uh, Newcastle have the ball in the back of the net, uh, although it's been disallowed for offside, and it may well be overturned by VAR because West Ham are lazy mm. and didn't get it. It's going to be given. It's 2-0. I mean, okay. It's 2-0. So, in other words, <laughs> I'm looking at we, can, we can ignore that How this has been given. Unbelievable. How yes. this hasn't been overturned, but Richarlison's a couple of weeks back was overturned. I know not. If Richarlison's was offside, then this is offside. It's ridiculous. I don't know what the rules are. I'm not saying this is offside, by the way. I'm just going back to the Charleston one because that's the kind of vitriolic c- I'm feeling like being today. <laughs> Elio, your um, your memory for all things Spurs is astounding at any time, but for some reason, it reaches a whole new level when it comes to holding a grudge. When you need to immediately recall an example to show why Spurs were particularly aggrieved compared to something, just like you just did, it just comes to you. It's magic. Honestly, I'm impressed and a little disturbed. Well, I don't remember if it was Madley or Oliver that day, but I'm definitely still on the... You know what? I'm going to stop the sentence right there. I've already potentially got myself a lawsuit with Joe Barton one day, and it's not just GBH. From him to me, obviously. Yeah, Joe, Joe, Barton, Joe Barton did tweet us saying that he will no longer agree to come on the show, by the way. I'm really sorry to report. Uh, Dave, you had some thoughts. Is this, is this the right time for me to give you a bit of a commentary from the WhatsApp group for when well Mr. Keane scored his goal? <laughs> Please do. Well, no, actually, it's not. It's not, because I think we should get to that when we talk about that goal. No, We're trying I'm, to move. I've just, just found try- it, and I'm excited. All right, sorry, sorry. All right, okay, you know what? Let's, let's, let's jump ahead. No, cue me in when you're ready. Okay, fine. okay, we'll come back to that. Watch this space. All that to look forward to. And before that, Spurs actually scored a goal. It was a penalty. It was a very well-struck penalty, and it was a completely fair penalty, I, I think it's safe to say. Romero did well to get a foot in first, taken down. I think the only thing worth really mentioning is it, it's just sod's law, isn't it? You, we've seen it so many times. How often when Michael Keane makes a block on the line early on in the game, then gives away the penalty, and then, of course, it was always going to be. But probably not a huge amount to say about the penalty, Kane doing what he does but the next real talking point was the first of two red cards and it was Decore's red card for Everton I don't think anyone can argue with the red card decision I think apart from Decore himself who clearly had things to say about it um, pretty stonewall dismissal a lot of the talk after the game which I think we need to talk about just because annoyingly it has become a talking point was in Kane's reaction now Elio I'm sure you'll have some words on this but I'm gonna put you second in the queue for a second and come to Pricey on this have you seen any of the Sky Sports discussions around Kane going down easily and holding his face and maybe being a bit theatrical because I can't help feeling that's just what any player would have done in that situation, right? Yeah, I I agree. I think we see it all the time, week in, week out. Anyone gets literally breathed on, you know, within a certain radius of their face and they go down and roll. It's football. It's kind of what we've been accustomed to happening. I I think if you look at the stills and the imagery, like Decore quite clearly claws his face. Of course, there's going to be a reaction from that. Okay, look, he probably doesn't need to go as far as he did but we are sadly and and I kind of to Elio's point 
given some of the recent decisions against us or ha- haven't gone yeah. our way recently, you kind of need to play up because otherwise you're not going to get noticed. Yeah, you say he doesn't need to. Does he need to? Like we had a similar discussion when, when it came to going down in the box when you feel contact, right? If it's not going to be given, and, and I guess VAR has to play a factor in this. We have to have faith eventually that players will trust in VAR to make the right call and not have to sell it to the ref immediately. Um, Dave, I remember you had some thoughts on this and you were saying that when a player feels contact, they kind of have to go down to get the penalty because that's just the way the game is played. Is it the same situation with Kane here? Sorry, yeah. Elliot, I bumped you to third in the it's queue. It's all right. I'll use up at least 15 <laughs> minutes air time to make up for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm very aware that, uh, that Elio is primed, but... Um, the steam coming out yeah, of his ears. This is non-story. This is a unnecessary conversation about something that happens all the time and you can't have a go at someone for doing something that everybody else does because you feel like they should be on a different plane when they're not on a different plane because it's the same spot and it's the same league and it's the same games. So yeah, I think it's a nonsense conversation and yeah. and, and I think it should be put to bed immediately. But yeah. I'll let Elio go on, well, go on one first. We've already given it more airtime than deserves, but Elio, for what I mean, <laughs> Nonsense conversation is the right wording for it. There's the argument of, do we trust referees and VAR to do their job if Kane doesn't go down there? Absolutely f***ing not. Not in a million years. Do we think that Kane overagged it? Maybe when you see it in slow-mo, he overagged it at full speed. That's enough to make someone go down. I'll go down for less than that. All right, I have a glass straw, but still, we don't know how strong Kane is. At the end of the day, it was a full speed swing at him, hands open. UFC, which Dave thinks is an absolutely barbaric sport, and many people do. I don't, I love it. But sports entertainment. Sports entertainment, okay. But Mm. UFC, almost anything goes. One of the things that isn't allowed is an open handed punch because of the danger of a finger going into the eye. That's Mm. exactly what Takore just did to Kane. So why are we talking more about Kane than Decore? I mean, it beggars belief. But this is Harry Kane we're talking about. The player who, if he played for one of the Sky 4, or Sky 5 these days with Manchester City in there as well, then he wouldn't ever get any flack. But because he plays for Spurs and everyone begrudges Spurs having nice things, they go on about him incessantly. He's the one player I can ever remember being made to watch a replay of going down too easily from that penalty against Arsenal a few years ago and ask whether that was a dive or not and point out where the contact is. Saka does that every fucking week. Why don't they ever ask Saka? Because they're too busy noshing him off, that's why. (laughs) I feel like, Elia, when we have guests on the show, I feel like you you play up. You've got more of a direct audience. I know we've also got all of our listeners, of course, but they're used to you. (laughs) Um, But no, that that wasn't a complaint, by the way. I'm loving it. Um, It's a really good article, actually. Dan Kirkpatrick wrote for The Standard all about, basically, why is Harry Kane so unloved when he shouldn't be? And I won't get into too much detail because we've kind of touched on the subject before, but just a quote from that. If it had been Oliver Skiff or Clement Longley, for example, the incident would have surely been seen as a cut and dry case of Decore's idiocy. But instead, it is another example of Kane being held to dramatically different standards and oddly vilified. Really strange. I mean, three days ago, everyone's themselves off over Kane becoming England's all-time top scorer, apart from those, obviously, who are trying to begrudge him it, like Joey, better off without him, Barton. But now everyone's laying into him for rightly going down when he receives an open-handed punch from a very, very yeah. large human being. I mean... 
I don't get it. Yeah. You, you know what it is? Yeah. It, it is a media campaign to try and make him feel utterly uncomfortable <laughs> oh. at Spurs so that he leaves, right? I think I think Neville has... I think Price like, has found my tinfoil. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's tinfoil hats everywhere today. <laughs> I, I reckon I've seen Neville, the Always Sunny meme with the conspiracy board. Nev- Neville has a bet that's due to expire this summer about him going <laughs> to United or, or one of the teams up in Manchester uh, and is, yeah. is basically now on a single-handed campaign well not necessarily single-handed mm. with his sky cronies just to vilify yeah. him so that he lives Neville was actually defending him would you believe maybe he's just you know trying to cover himself and not look too obvious but Neville was defending him and saying <laughs> you know the hand was going towards his eye I mean let's not forget Dembele got it was it six Eight. six game ban for essentially yeah, yeah, the same thing no, it was six you're right yeah, it was six for basically the same thing but no the story is obviously Harry Kane just on Harry Kane actually while we're defending him I quite like how it creates this sort of siege mentality in Spurs fans that is us against the world with everyone seeming to want to take a swipe at Harry Kane that was actually his 250th goal contribution in the Premier League, which puts him in a very exclusive club. Um, and I think he's 18th against Everton. I think only Leicester have conceded more at the hands of Harry Kane. And of course, he's 22nd of the season, which puts him just six behind Erling Haaland. Is it possible? It's definitely possible. Could he catch him? Like, Harry Kane's very capable no for of Haaland. scoring... <laughs> Pricey shaking his head. ...scoring six goals in the next seven games. Erling Haaland may be injured. Who knows? Let's see. Um, I think Haaland wins the goals and boots, but... Harry Kane's come up from yeah. further behind with a few games before when he overtook Lukaku in his second best the season he got 29 goals so I think it's possible but it's, it's really unlikely because at the end of the day one place for Spurs and one place for Manchester City Haaland was pictured back in training today just as an FYI so no, it's likely back yeah. for the weekend I suspect he's in your FPL team Pricey so you will definitely know the up to the minute updates on Erling Haaland's fitness right we can take your word for that one enough about Erling Haaland we talk about him far too much moving on to the next moment of the game which was Lu- <laughs> Lucas the first Moore? red was clear yeah, if the first red was a clear one. This was even clearer. This was a horror challenge. I don't think there's any other way of putting it. And completely unnecessary as well. There's not really much more to say about it, is there really? Other than just it's not the right mentality to be in a game like that where you don't need to make a challenge like that to go and make a stupid challenge in a really non-dangerous area of the pitch, get yourself sent off and suddenly make it a game. It was stupid, but you know, I'll stand up for him ever so slightly because this is a guy who's seen very few minutes all season. He's been injured for a lot of it as well. Ring rusty player. We know this isn't his character as a footballer anyway. I mean, I'm not sure I've even seen him make many tackles before, never mind a tackle like that. And he misjudged something. I mean, I, I don't for a second believe Lucas Mora was going in with any intent other than trying to nick a ball first. And... The fact that it was a bad yeah. one, yeah, he completely deserved the red cards. It was a potential horror challenge in terms of the outcome. Thankfully, it wasn't. But at the same time, you've yeah. got Lucas there, who's a player that does play with all his heart and does actually try and fight for every ball press from the front and G things up. Leading our press when the whole team's dropping off like losers. Even Ryan Mason could see it from the sidelines, as his quotes seem to affirm. And you've got Lucas trying mm. to do what they all should have been doing. Yeah. He he misjudged it. He did a stupid thing. He deserved his red. It might be the last time we see him for us, which is quite sad, actually, yeah. considering the wonderful memory he has given us. But 
he is still the player I'm going to least criticise for the performance against Everton. Fair enough. The only thing I, I would add in is there, and I can't remember who the Everton player was, but there was a really similar challenge on Perisic in the first half that just went there completely was. under the yeah, radar. The like, no one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a touch lower, wasn't yeah. it? It was a bit more ankle rather than sort of halfway up his leg, but still just as bad Emerson as got sent off for less against Arsenal than Tarkovsky did against Perisic. <laughs> See? Another example, Elio, suddenly immediately recalling an example just to show how Spurs have been aggrieved. Brilliant. That's a real talent. Well, when um, the Premier League's anti-Semitic, well, anyway. these things happen. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? Uh, moving very swiftly on from that, we'll get on to uh, Dave's big moment. We're going to talk about Michael Keane's goal. Um, first of all, He's never scoring another goal like that in his life, is he? It's just ridiculous. Why do these things always happen against us? Why do these players just suddenly score these wonder goals that they're never going to score again in a million years against Spurs? But anyway, I guess one answer for that is because we let them, right, Elio? Um, when, we were certainly inviting pressure. When you back off like cowards for yeah. 17 minutes out of 90, you invite those shots. One of them's going to go in. Pricey, did you see a goal coming? In the second half, on one 0 up with ten men. Who, who didn't see a goal? Well, this is it. You're, you're playing against like relegation candidates, and this is not just new. Like Everton have been relegation candidates for a long time, and at least three years. Yeah. It's just unreal in terms of how much space and time they were getting in like dangerous areas. This is not even, I guess, kind of in areas of the pitch where they're not going to threaten us. We know that they're going to potentially look to kind of like put balls into the box or take shots from outside because they don't have the quality and the skill to kind of play through the lines so why are you letting them and then you couple that with the fact that you've got a keeper who may as well just been still i don't know in like a and e or wherever he was recovering from his injury it's just a recipe for disaster isn't it so i yeah i saw i was saying to dave like before you guys joined that it was just one of those really awkward moments where you could kind of see the crash happening and you were just powerless to actually do anything about it. Um, it made me long for that kit of a few years ago where we had to stripe the seatbelt on it. That was, um, <laughs> the car the crash, car crash kit. kit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In yeah, fairness, crash test um, dummies is a very good way to describe Spurs as a team right now. <laughs> I think Spursy is probably the most accurate description of how that game played out, unfortunately. Dave, come on then, let's have it. Can we have an extract from the fabled plus Dave WhatsApp group chat? From 2149 last night. <laughs> Pricey, there it is. Elia, I'm going to kill myself. Pricey, <laughs> for sake, we deserve this. Elia, we have. Pricey, this is worse than Southampton. Elia... Why is that expletive deleted, expletive deleted, expletive deleted, expletive deleted, expletive deleted, not diving for that? Wait, five consecutive swear words. I just feel, I just feel like there's, I think, to be honest, uh, there's probably a couple of legal removals there. But, okay. uh, but yeah, right. it's, it's fair. And yeah, it just descends into swearing. Yeah. Interestingly, I was just reading the stuff above it about Lucas and Elliot almost basically said what he'd said in there so he was he was completely fine at that point but then the goal just turned him into a swear monster (laughs) (laughs) live score update united one brentford nil marcus rashford marcus rashford first of all that's a pound in the pot for you pricey for saying united and not man united Um, and secondly that is another terrible goal for us and uh, everything is going you know what if our season's just ending before our eyes i'm glad i might not even go to our last few home games who knows will you still come on the podcast plastic supporter 
Hey, I'll support Spurs when there's Spurs to show up to, to support even. <laughs> this is an imitation of a football club. Right. That's probably enough about Spurs Everton, isn't it? I thought you were going to say that's probably I mean, enough about Spurs and I was going to be delighted. <laughs> that's probably enough of this episode, yeah? Should we just call it? I mean, what's even the point anymore? Um, well, on that rather somber note, it probably takes us quite nicely into Paratici, who, of course, has been up to all kinds of shady business behind the scenes. Percy, I want to get your thoughts on this whole saga, because obviously last time you were on, he was a golden boy, and he was, you know, pulling strings left, right, and center. We'd made all these great signings. He brought Conte in. We were all singing his praises. And um, do you think that this is a bit of an indictment of Levy? Because obviously, just as an update, for anyone who's not aware, Paratici's 30-month ban in Italy has been extended worldwide by FIFA, I believe, which was expected but not confirmed. Now it is. He has, I think the words used was stepped away from his job or taken a bit on a leave of absence or something, which is a bit strange given that he's not allowed to do it. It was phrased as if it was a decision. But anyway, Paratici is not going to be performing any of his duties at Spurs for the foreseeable future, which is uh, a little bit of a strange situation. How do you see the, this whole shambles? What's your take on it? And do you think it reflects particularly badly on our ownership? I am slightly surprised that we didn't act sooner on this. And and I don't buy the whole narrative that it came as a complete shock that FIFA were going to go and extend this, this ban worldwide. It, ultimately, yeah. when someone is found guilty of wrongdoing, whether that was at a previous club or in a different league, at his level, at an executive leadership level, if that was a board level role in a listed corporation or it was a senior role in government, they would step down and they would have to go and do do you know the club would have to Mm -hmm. take a stance and just say, look, Sooner, you mean? Before Sooner, this, before, before, before it yeah, came to this. 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And it just, again, shows Levy and the board's weakness to actually do anything that genuinely advances the club, both reputationally or from a football performance point of view. And to be honest, they can all f*** off. <laughs> Dave, I get a sense from Spurs fans on Twitter and from conversations with the likes of these fine gentlemen that there's a growing sense that the world is kind of laughing at Spurs. I'm not the world, but you know, for football fans in England are kind of laughing at the situation of Spurs. We are a little bit of a, of a circus at the best of times, but particularly now. How does it look from your point of view? Do you think this looks like an absolute show or do you think this is something that could just happen to any club? It seems to be happening to a lot of clubs this season, to be honest, in, in one form or another. I mean, yeah. it, this league season is is mad. The amount of teams that are on the beach, so to speak, and I think everybody has got wrapped up in the whole mania of this season and are making yeah. decisions that, to be honest, are not surprising i don't think that anything's particularly surprised me apart from the announcement today that that chelsea have decided to go through the rest of the season without a manager which is weird <laughs> we'll get um, on to that. Yeah. but looking at tottenham yeah and looking at paratici I'm, I'm rolling it all into one situation because it just seems yeah. a bit nonsensical i do think it's a bit embarrassing that the, the last people to be aware of this and the only people mm-hmm. to be surprised that this was actually tottenham you know i think i messaged you guys uh, about the Paratici's message that was recorded and then and then sent out uh, on the official that was bizarre channel. wasn't it literally what four hours yeah. maybe five yeah. hours six hours before this announcement before this putting him front and center of our social media absolutely mental you know be aware of your surroundings guys 
uh, as a marketing team, will have got a bit of a pasting after that, I think. To be fair, this is the same, this is the same marketing team that sent out an email saying, book your tickets for the semi-final when we'd been knocked out of the cup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need to freshen up with the social yeah, media. Okay. So they've got, they've got, they've got previous. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's going to be some defence of Enoch here and or of the club. Let's mm-hmm. not just pin this out. Enoch, they employ a lot of people to make decisions like when to publish interviews. But the Paratici mm-hmm. or Paratici, or once listen, we know oh. I'm bad at pronouncing things. So let's uh, let's go with Paratici. <laughs> um, <laughs> The Paratici situation is, and the recent events is slightly more nuanced in that what was public knowledge, what was out there, what was confirmed was that he'd had his ban from the Italian authorities and a court date had been set for his appeal of that. So that was set in stone at that point. Then FIFA extending the ban before that appeal had been heard was not just unexpected by Spurs, unexpected wholly, I imagine, with some pressure from the Italian FA on them to do so as well. So FIFA okay. extending the ban was not expected until Paratici had had the chance, which was only a few weeks away. I think it was a late April day, 20-something. Paratici had had the chance yeah. to appeal his initial ban. So therein lies that initial surprise. The second thing I'd say on this is that while Paratici still is going to be appealing the decision and hopefully overturning it, Spurs will 100% not be stepping him down because if they stepped him down and he was successful in appealing these bans, then he's doing us for wrongful dismissal. He cannot be stepped down <laughs> okay. and we will not step down. This is just risk management from Spurs, which, all right, that is a bit frustrating from an optics perspective. But mm. if they step him down and it turns out it was them pesky kids all along and not Paratici, then <laughs> they have another situation to deal with. So this is the most risk-averse way of dealing with it, even if the optics are Awful. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just explaining why they've gone through the process they have done. Now, if we talk about whether we should have appointed Paratici in the first place with all this hanging over him, that is a big question. Great scout from what I see of the players he's brought in. Romero, as you know, I've forgiven him now. Romero, Kulusevski, Bentancourt, looks like Poro as well. In my opinion, Emerson as well, and a few others. The ones that were his signings, not Conte's signings, like Perisic. Good mm. players. Longley, I think, has done a good job, and I'd be glad to see him still here next season. Like Fraser Forster, lots hope he's still here next season as well in some guys as a backup goalkeeper. So as a scout, he's done a very good job. As a hire of managers, clearly not, though the people in the board might say he is a good hire of managers because he hired a manager that got us back into the Champions League and made us far more than Conte has been paid in doing so, uh, both in Premier League prize money and in Champions League group stage prize money, obviously not knockout stage prize money. So it's hard to be overly critical on the Paratici hire other than the fact that there was a big smoking gun up his ass the entire time so maybe they should have been a bit more risk averse then so they wouldn't have to be risk averse now I mean Big wig from one of the superpowers in Italian football being corrupt. Shock horror. I once remember um, (laughs) 
Manchester United are about to play Inter Milan and Ronaldo, as in real Ronaldo, not yeah. uh, not, uh, not Messi Ronaldo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, real Ronaldo yeah. was going through all his huge injury problems with Inter Milan and it was on off whether he was going to play against Manchester United. And the Italian president came out and said, no, Ronaldo's not going to play. And then later on, it was reported that he and Ronaldo were on a private jet together to Manchester for that game against Manchester United. And Alex Ferguson was asked about this. And his exact words were, I'm not convinced that Ronaldo won't play. The Italians are the innovators of the smoke screen. When they tell me it's pasta, I still check under the source to make sure. <laughs> Goal update. Goal update. West Ham have got one back. It's 2-1. 2-1. Go on, West Ham. Come um, on, Newcastle. Don't dirty, go, just say don't out go loud. on me now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the question that this begs is, if Paratici is, at least for the foreseeable future, out of the picture, would this potentially mean that Mauricio Pochettino has a slightly better chance of agreeing to some kind of arrangement with Spurs? Because, of course, a lot of the talk last time was that he didn't really want to work under a director of football. He wanted a little bit more control. He came out with all those comments about how I'm just a coach. I'm not managing this team. I just tell the players what to do. I don't have any impact on who we sign or anything that happens from a higher level. Pricey. Do you think that the Paratici situation, we've got to say his name the right way, okay, even if he is a crook, um, do we think that that could potentially lead to a better chance of Pochettino making his romantic return? Um, I, or am I overthinking it? I think you're overthinking it, to be honest. My big frustration, I think, just kind of back to, to Elio's point, is that it's exactly that. I think we have an executive committee of people who are far too risk-adverse and business-minded to put the football club first. And I, I think that is what has been holding us back for a number of years. And I think even with Paratici out of the equation, I just don't know whether Levy, who we know pretty much signs off on everything anyway, and we kind of got that impression from the All or Nothing documentary a couple of years ago. Yeah. I just don't think he, he would see it as a backward step. And ultimately he's building a brand. He's not building a he's building a brand and he's building a business, right? He's not building a football team to win trophies. He's building a business that can sell on multiple continents across multiple platforms. And I just think mm-hmm. from the football component of that, Pochettino is the wrong brand appointment for brand levy if if that kind of makes sense i i think he will try and yeah. fail to get bagel nagelsman um bagelsman. Hey, bagelsman and i don't know where it leaves us really but um no so that's a really long-winded mm. way of saying i i think whether paratici is in or out i can't see pochettino coming back because i don't think levy will allow it Interesting, interesting. I suspect you might be in the minority in thinking that. Um, out of interest, what it's worth, would you like to see Pochettino come back? I, Whether or not you think it will happen? Yeah, I, I don't know. You, you know, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Poch is really kind of head and heart type of individual, right? So in one instance... Yeah we have achieved more than we have done in a long time under him. And we know as a project manager, we were playing some of our best football under Pochettino. Obviously it didn't end in the best way that it could. And actually it's kind of one of those situations. If he does come back, I don't know, are we just trying to like kind of claw back onto the good old days when we know it's kind of withered and died and actually under Pochettino, we'd we'd never get it back anyway. Um, See, I, I don't know. I, I, it's one of those situations where there is better out there. And I think if we had a better opportunity 
to really push the club in the right direction, I would take that over Pochettino. But if it came mm. down to, say, Frank Lampard, then give me Pochettino <laughs> absolutely every day of the week. <laughs> Grab him with both hands, yeah. Well, I think it, it is worth touching on the managerial situation because, of course, Stellini and uh, well, Stellini slash Mason are at the helm for the foreseeable future, which implies quite heavily that we're at least going to wait until the summer before making the proper appointments. So nothing's likely to happen imminently unless our hand is forced. Looking at the latest developments since our last episode, of course, we have had two Premier League managers relieved of their duties in Potter and Rogers, both of whom are of course linked to varying degrees with Spurs. Rogers is actually, would you believe, the bookie's favourite currently mm. to take over at Spurs. Not for the first time, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he was quite heavily linked to us. I don't know if it was the last time round. One of one of the many times we've been in this ridiculous situation, Rogers has been the front runner and obviously it never happened. Um, there was a time once upon a time that I actually wouldn't have hated the idea. I, I feel like his stock has fallen quite a lot now and personally feel like that would be a really underwhelming appointment but the other interesting thing of course is that as we touched on before Lampard is now taking over at Chelsea for the rest of the season and just like with the situation with Stellini that suggests that they're settled until the summer before making an appointment which kind of puts Nagelsmann back in the picture whether or not you believe reports of him having come out and actually rejected Spurs so um, I'm just curious if anyone has any kind of wisdom as to if we're any closer to knowing who's likely or not likely to be our next full-time permanent manager well the guy that was meant to be appointing him has since been stepped down from club duties the guy who sits above him and is probably now responsible for that is well today his priority was getting out all the season ticket renewal emails so that would have very much taken up his time because that's yeah. the money side. Um, so at the same prices, it should be added. They didn't increase. The oh prices, wow, we're still playing the. So well we're, still, we're still the most expensive. We're still the most expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Highest price only, in the league, but only by a little bit to yeah. to watch the yeah. what seventh best club by the end of the season, maybe eighth, depending on Brighton. Um, I thought we were the third best squad, Elio. Well, I'm saying club, not squad. Mm. Um, mm. But I just think this manager search needs to be resolved quickly and by quickly i mean by the season ticket renewal deadline they have made a very strange move usually the deadline to renew is before the end of the season including last season when it wasn't even cut and dry whether we were getting to champions league or not this year the deadline to renew is the first of june so a good couple of weeks after the season ends That says to me that they are confident of having a manager in place by the time the 1st of June hits us because I think otherwise I can't make sense. Okay, it's actually a late finishing season. 28th of May leads Tottenham, so it might just be because that's the the first working day because May bank holidays and all that. That's the next working day after the end of the season. Maybe it's just a case of waiting to see Mm -hmm. where we finish and hoping we fluke forth so that people renew. But either way, I can't imagine they're unaware how important it is to get this appointment done quickly. Whether or not we're happy with this appointment and whoever we appoint... People will be anti-Enoch. Whoever we appoint, people will have their opinions on whether it's right or wrong, and it will be split down the middle. But the club has to know that this needs to be done soon, because if they don't, then they're just not learning from very recent mistakes, and Mm. it makes fools of... Well, everybody invested in Spurs, quite frankly, and I think we're all tired of being fools at this point. Pulse. You've got to re- yeah. You, you've got to remember the last time we delayed bringing a new manager in, we ended up with Nuno. Mm. And 
yeah. if, if we've learned anything from the last couple of years, that Elio's right, we need to we need to make a decision on this. Oh, I thought you were going to say if we've learned anything from the last couple of years, Elio's right. It would be the nicest thing <laughs> you ever said Elio's to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can edit that bit if you'd like, Elio. I think you I should. <laughs> I find it wonderful that you guys are kind of like 4D chessing this in your minds to work out if there's an actual reason for this. We're going to open the door to Spurs' boardroom and it's going to be four dogs playing cards. <laughs> this is an absolute joke. It's a clown No cart. one knows what's going on. No one has a clue. Well, Ellie, I was just saying the bookie's favourite, for whatever the hell that means, is uh, currently Brendan Rodgers. What would you say to that particular appointment? Um... <laughs> It's. I mean, was there ever a time that you'd have been happy with Brendan? That? Yeah, definitely. Brendan Rodgers is on paper a severely underwhelming appointment because he's really damaged goods at this point. He's just been sacked by Leicester yeah. for getting a very good squad of players fighting relegation all season. He botched his one big job with. I say botched. He was a Steven Gerrard slip away from winning the league. So maybe botched is a bit harsh, but. <laughs> But for yeah. intents and purposes, his stock is not what it was. When he was Swansea manager, yeah. I would have loved us to get him. When he won mm. the FA Cup with Leicester, I thought he would have made a very good choice. I think when we appointed Nuno, yeah. he was actually one of the managers that I was really up for. But there just seems yeah, same. to be something very Jerry Francis about him in that he has all the best intentions, all the best ideas. He wants to get his side playing good football. By and large, does get his side playing good football. But there's something lacking in his ability to inspire, to motivate and to really improve a team to get them over the line. And once they don't go over the line, mm. they st- start getting further and further away from the line. You could say that's what happened with Pochettino, but Pochettino off the back of finishing third, second and third in the league, then had a summer without being bought one player. So we can cut him some slack. Yeah. Bre- what can you do? Brendan Rodgers, there's just an air of getting a club as far as he can get them and then not being able to sustain it. And we've seen it time and time again, though, that may well once again tie in with what I said last week about how to actually really succeed in modern football in this country, in this league. Maybe you do have to be able to just keep that high level of performance and physicality up at all times, which very much means being able to replenish with a few £50 million players every single summer. There's only one or two clubs that are capable of doing that. So who knows what I will say about Brendan is that hiring him would tick a number of the Spurs philosophy boxes the Spurs DNA he's a manager that develops young players he's a manager that definitely plays good football far better than any manager we've had since Pochettino and he's a manager that really kind of embraces the challenge of building something from the ground up so he ticks a lot of the Spurs DNA boxes but He's damaged goods, and we've already tried damage yeah. deletes goods. We've we've tried damaged M and S. We've we've tried the M and S chicken that's a day past its expiry date. <laughs> so why are we going to try the little chicken that's a day past its expiry date? <laughs> That's brilliant. Speaking of damaged goods, um, Frank Lampard is now the interim manager of Chelsea. Of course, replacing uh, Graham Potter. Uh, Well, TalkSport have confirmed it. So I don't know if you want to take that particular source. But my point is, uh, as I was leading to 
Graham Potter is in need of a job. And I think a lot of what you just said about Rogers, you could probably quite as easily say about Potter. Again, there was a time where I probably would have been quite keen on the idea, but his stock has fallen a little bit. He's not done particularly well in the one big shot he's had. Um, yes, it's Chelsea. And we talked about last week how that, that can be a little bit of a, an impossible task. But Pricey, what would you say to the idea of your uh, your doppelganger when you've got your beard in <laughs> <laughs> Graham Potter <laughs> taking the Spurs uh, job? And then not because we just share fantastic facial hair or, or rather <laughs> rather did I should say um I yeah. I really like the idea of Potter I think I'm I'm happy to look past Chelsea I think Chelsea under that ownership mm. structure it's been really tough because if you think about whereas we've always had this niggle of not really investing enough in the club they've gone completely the other way and they've just gone mad with the spending and bought in all of these players with no real rhyme or reason to who yeah. they are and why they are and I think that's a really difficult thing to manage because yeah. you think about the egos that are going to be in two squad. years to gel totally um, and, and you know I think they are victim of just an owner that has no idea what he's doing but look, I think that aside, I like, and I think actually it's more than just Potter. I think what we need to be looking at is, and funnily enough, as an ex-Spurs person doing this at Brighton, but actually if you look at Brighton's whole development platform, you look at their young players yeah. coming through, the sheer talent they can scout, hire in, unearth, develop is just like league defining at the moment. It's, it's an absolute game changer. Yes. And I think getting back to some of that kind of mentality, which we had under Pochettino, I I think we would get with Potter. And actually, I'd I'd be quite excited by that. I think with Potter, like Rodgers, he ticks a lot of the boxes. I don't think he's damaged goods the same way Rodgers is damaged goods because Potter didn't even get a pre-season at Chelsea. They put him into a situation that warranted sacking their previous manager, who is a world-class manager, good enough for Bayern Munich to just hire so they put him into that situation and then didn't even give him a pre-season and summer window with which to address it. They just threw a bunch of players that who knows whether he wanted them or not at him and expected him to turn it into something great. So I don't put him in the same bucket as Rogers because he didn't really have a chance. He was dead man walking from minute one. What I will say is, and forget jokes about yet another Chelsea manager, he's a good manager. In Italy, you never hear them complaining about the fact that they've got a very incestuous manager at merry-go-rounds at any given time and they've all managed each other and their wives. So, but what I would say is the optics of hiring another Chelsea manager if he didn't succeed would be unbearable and Unfortunately, the modern football fan is this reactive baby who can't handle someone on Twitter saying something about his mum. So I really, really worry about hiring Graham Potter and it not going well quickly because the Spurs fans are borderline toxic at the best of times in recent years and it won't take them much to snap and go full pelts for a manager who probably wouldn't deserve it if it's not going well very very quickly and yeah that's the big thing against possible the other thing is and Dave and I discussed this recently when I was saying Deserby was the one I wanted this was long before Conte even got sacked actually is it just Mm. a case of Brighton make managers look good because Brighton give managers who they, they choose yeah, good yeah. managers for the way they want to play, but yeah, maybe they're just playing 
football manager at board level and getting it very, very right and hiring the managers that came to this, yeah. which is they're what we should be doing yeah. as well. But, but, but Brighton, who knows yeah. what our structure is? I don't. They're, they're exemplary. Like Brighton, the owners of Brighton actually have some kind of cutting edge software to do with data analytics in football that no one else uses that apparently is their secret weapon. Mm. Um, I've seen videos on it. The guy that owns Brighton, didn't he basically... Yeah, he owns the same business. Yeah, yeah. and he, it was developed actually through effectively like a betting company. So he's he set up effectively in right. like a, yeah. a kind of like almost like a hedge fund. That's it. It's but like then, an elite betting yeah. business. It's yeah, yeah. for sort of high net worth individuals yep. to get an edge in gambling. Yeah. And they've somehow applied that. I mean, it sounds like science fiction to me. It's a bit, a bit out there, but it's obviously working, um, not just in terms of the way they're playing on the pitch, but their appointments, you know, two, two really successful appointments in a row and they're doing everything right. The worst part is it has all been spearheaded by a guy that up until I think the second year of Pochettino's reign at Spurs was at Spurs, a guy called Paul Barber. He left us to go mm, yeah. over to the States for a little bit, then came back to Brighton. He's actually a Spurs fan yeah. as well. And he has very much been the driver in all this great stuff Brighton have implemented from before they got promoted to this division. So, so it's, it's, it's quite sickening, really. I was about to say, can we stop talking about Brighton? But <laughs> it would have been a perfect segue onto our next section, wouldn't it? First, before we go back, we break it up, Dave. Can, can we have another quote from the WhatsApp chat? Because I feel like we need some more. That wasn't enough. I got a taste, but I'm going to draw some now. I need, oh, I need another quote. Oh, crap. I've got to open up the other the other browser. Hang on, hang on. Uh, Maybe just search for a swear word and see what comes Barbara up. Barbara did actually leave us in 2011 before Pochettino, so I was wrong. But okay. still, he okay. we enjoyed we'll tremendous that, yeah. progress when he was at the club. Oh, well, let's just go with Pricey. I can't see us getting anything from Brighton United, a pound, or Newcastle on this form. Elio, expletive deleted cowards. I can't wait for the season to end. There you go. Roll on. Oh, it's like I never left. This is brilliant. Thank you. I needed that. Well, as we rightly said, it's a perfect chance to talk about Brighton and maybe get a close look at someone who a lot of people still hope will be our next manager. It's probably looking quite unlikely at this stage, but we're going to get a chance to see the Zerbi ball up close and personal. Of course, the last time we played Brighton, we actually managed to beat them and they were on very good form already by this stage. So we did very well there. So we're playing them at home and it's worth mentioning just in case anyone had any little bit of hope that they were clinging on to. Brighton now unbeaten in seven consecutive away games. Uh, and in 2023, only Arsenal, Man United and Aston Villa have more points than them, which uh, credit to Unai Emery there. Bloody brilliant. Um, so yeah. But you know what? So, yeah. You know what? Our home form has actually been good lately. Yes. Our home form since the humiliation against Arsenal, actually, um, has... I like how you had to stop and think, which humiliation yeah. was it again? There are so well, many. I was trying to think <laughs> if Villa or Arsenal at home was more recent, yeah. but, but since then at yeah. home, we've beaten Manchester City, we've beaten West Ham, we've beaten Chelsea in our three best performances yeah. of the season probably as well all right we've beaten nottingham forest no great shakes there but we've won our last four at home on the trot so that gives some reason for optimism and conte was only in the dugout for one of those so mm. i live in hope so it is the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object pricey how's that one going to play out uh, oh, I don't. I can't believe I just called us an immovable object. Just tire is very. Larice is, is the only immovable thing in our, uh, our defense. 
Dyer is is immovable in so many ways. Yeah, uh, immovable from the squad. Do you know? I do. I I I really don't know because I think Elio raises a good point there that actually we when we do turn up we tend to turn up at home. And, and against the types of teams that you just wouldn't expect us to at all. I think everyone's going into this game expecting Brighton to actually, I, I guess, kind of come away with a result, which I believe they have done before in recent years at um, um, up at us. Yeah, but when Hugo I, broke his arm. Yeah, I... 3-0. Oh, I don't, it literally could go either way. And that's that's not... Usually I'm quite good at just kind of sticking my hat on an outcome, but I, I literally have no idea. To be honest, I really don't know which Spurs is going to turn up. And I think that's going to define the game. It's going to be interesting to see because I think a lot of Brighton's build-up play is based around this idea of inviting the press, isn't it? They, they have this kind of third-man triangle that they do to play around the oncoming press. And if, if Harry Kane's just not going to do it, I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> Maybe that's why we beat them last time. Maybe our, our players were sitting too deep. <laughs> so so lazy. They were like, well, how do we do this? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, what, what, what do we do? They're not coming at us like every other team in the Premier League. Uh, they're just sitting in their own half. No, as ever, I'm oversimplifying it. Elio, do you think, because this, this takes us on to a conversation we had last time, you mentioned that you think Spurs, in terms of the quality of the squad player for player, you think that they are the third or fourth best squad in the Premier League. Where are Brighton in that? How close are the teams in terms of talent? If pre-season I'd said to you, Solly Marsh. You know what, it's hard with Brighton. It's hard with Brighton because yeah. a bit like their managers, how much is it just a case of everything being driven to just get the perfect pieces for the perfect puzzle? And I point to our own Basuma as a player who exemplifies that because he's looked like mm. a fish out of water since he's left that. That said, Trossard <laughs> seems to be doing a decent enough job since he left. So uh, who knows? Mate, well, actually Trossard had one good game, let's not go overboard, but still. Um, Brighton, <laughs> Brighton have a lot of players that you didn't really know much about them until they're at Brighton. And that's a little mm. bit like the Spurs that rose up at the beginning of sort of the the tens end of the noughties kind of time and um, the way we were developing so there's a lot to admire about that player for player who knows if they're better than us or we're better than them I want us to win at home to Brighton I can't think that we should be losing that game but based on everything we've seen this season this could be a really sad Saturday yeah it could be uh, Dave first of all are you still with us because I don't see your face on the screen but the dot is still I am yes you froze you, yeah, you all froze you so I thought I'd camera off just to be safe okay Fair enough, fair enough. Um, first of all, I imagine you're probably quite relieved that for once Spurs aren't playing one of your relegation rivals, so you don't have to you don't have a vested interest in us winning beyond wanting to see your friends slightly less miserable. Um secondly, how do you see this one playing out? Because Bryson are one of the informed teams in the league. Spurs are very good at home, as Elio said. It's an interesting tactical matchup. What do you think will happen? And can we have a prediction? I don't think there'll be much in it, to be honest. I think it'll be a goal either way. And I think if it's low scoring, then I think there's every chance that, that you might, might get a 1-0 similar to... I think you won 1-0 last, last time you played. Is that right? I think it was a 1-0, wasn't it? Yeah. So I could see that happening again, to be honest. But I've just got no faith in you guys, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I tell and, you what, and it I, I tell you what I worry about. I, I worry about Matoma up against Porro, um, yeah. and then having Romero on that side as well. I think that if I was in Brighton's shoes, I would be exploiting that all day long. And actually, because they get a lot of goals of like their other, like March 
cutting in as well. Gross coming through the middle. I just think with our really static defence, I just I'm really worried about. Elliot's right. Well, this is a game we should be winning. And to be candid, if we're going to get into Champions League, this is a must win. I think if we don't get anything but three mm. points in this game. Champions League is gone. Yeah. It's out of the qu- it's out of the question. Yeah. And yeah, then this is it, a huge game. And, and then it's yeah. are we even getting into Europa Europa Conference League type of territory? Because um, it's it's pretty tight actually. If you if you look kind of just below us. Uh, oh, three three one Newcastle. There you go. Live score update. Wilson. Three one. Oh, oh. Nothing's going our way, is it? Which makes the Brighton <laughs> game even more important. Boys Mo- looks like he's taking a poo. <laughs> that is not something just, I expected um, to hear tonight. No, that's, no, that's not, not on the BBC live text update. Where <laughs> that was that was not on the agenda. It was just really like leading over and straining. It was, uh, oh dear. Anyway, oh dear. Poor boys. Elio, can we try and recover some decorum for this podcast, please? I think that listen I'm not one to always blame it on the formation to tell you the truth it should be far more about the intent and the attitudes you 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 can play good football playing a 3-4-3 3-5-2 whatever but I do think this is the time to try and focus on where our strengths are and play with more attackers than defenders mm. um, which is I was just I about to say actually this, if, if ever we were going mm-hmm. to move to the back four then now is the time we go into a formation that leaves less room for ambiguity in terms of which defender is responsible for what. It's far easier to explain defenders' jobs to them and go with something that packs the middle a little bit better against a side who are very yeah. good in the middle. That's not saying we should try to out Brighton Brighton, but that is saying that we should go with a mindset of making our players' jobs simple because we have some very, very good players. We have good enough players who, if everyone's job is simple, the exceptional footballers we do have going forward can turn things in our favour. So for me, it has to be a back four. I still don't expect it to be, but I just don't see anything more sensible than that. What I'd happily see is, I think Emerson's out for the season pretty much, isn't he? But what I'd happily see is Longley, the left-back, and a Davies Romero. I say happily, I don't really want to see Dyer in the team, but um, yeah. Longley, the yeah. left-back, Dyer Romero, centre-back, yeah. Porro at right-back, and then go with Hoybier, Skip, and plus one in the middle, or go Hoybier, Skip, and then just play Kane, Kulisewski, Son, and Dan Juma. So either 4-2-3-1 or Four three three. Mm. Also, this is the time to maybe be a bit brave and give one of the talented young players we have a go. There's the old phrase: "If you're good enough, you're old enough." Well, give give them a chance yeah. to prove it. It's not as yeah. if the the guys ahead of them in the pecking order are pulling up any trees at the moment. I can't remember yeah. uh, having much to shout about. So put Sar in the team, or Divine, or or, Jamie, or maybe Jamie Donnelly's a bit young, but put, put one of those guys in, someone that might actually play without the same fear that all these other assholes are playing with. I'm really glad you brought that up, Eddie, actually, because I was just about to ask you what you thought about the mismatch, potentially, in formations, because Bryson do overload the midfield quite a lot, and they tend to have a kind of a box, a lot of teams are doing nowadays. It might interest you to recall that when we beat Bryson all the way back in October, we actually played three in midfield. And we actually started with Hoiberg, Bissouma and Bentinker. Mm. So it's quite interesting to see if they look back at that and think that word, maybe we'll try something similar. Obviously, we don't have the same players available, but it might be interesting to see if we do give someone like Skip or, or Sara game and, and pack no, I'd even be willing so. to see Perisic as part of a front three or four as opposed to as a left wing back. 
because mm. God knows the guy can't defend. So yeah, let's just accept that. But he now. just had a very good a international back. break for Croatia, playing as an inside forward. Play him in a position that he's actually yeah. playing well in at the moment. Well, I know I'm not a fan of his, but give the guy a fucking chance. Exactly. Well, we will see. That game is fast approaching and it's now a pretty crucial one. If we have a look at the league table, I think we if we lose that, we can pretty much say that Brighton will overtake us. There's no no two ways about mm. it. We are somehow miraculously still in fourth, though. Elio, if I had to press you at this very moment, if I just had to ask you yes or no, are we going to finish in the top four? What's your gut telling you? Absolutely not. <laughs> Pricey, are you a bit more confident? Are we finishing top four? Mm. I'm I'm going to say yes. I'm I'm I don't know why I'm saying yes, but I'm going to say yes just to provide controversy. And Dave it's a bit like Dave's analogy of in a match changing one player for another like for like in position expecting it to change the game when the game's been going the same way for 75 minutes. What what is that going to do exactly? I see our season like that at this point as well. What is putting Conte's Bezzi in charge instead of Conte for the final run-in going to do to change the habits we've been displaying mm. all season? Nothing. Um, we haven't yeah. got to this point in the season playing the way we have by accident. We've got here because that is this season's version of Spurs. So we're not going to change that now. If we got in a new manager right now who could come and have a big impact and just get the players over the line through sheer sort of gumption and whim, then maybe, but we're not doing that as we know. So Mm. right now it's just a case of waiting for the season to end and beginning yet another rebuild, probably without our one world-class player. Well, one fit world-class player, because I think highly offensive. Speaking of world-class players, at the risk of extending this podcast by another half an hour, much like I almost did when I brought up Joey Barton last week, I have to bring up a comment that Dave made just before you logged into this call, Elio. And Dave, you're going to have to tell me what your exact words were, so I don't misquote you, but I believe you said that were one to make a Fantasy eleven of... How do you describe it? The the small fifteen, <laughs> as in well, Spurs small and 14, all the other teams. It? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so Spurs and all the other teams outside of the so-called big six. You said that no more than one or two Spurs players would make it into that side. Is that correct? First of all, do you stand by that? That is correct. We, 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 we were coming in our about potentially putting together a, uh, a, a yeah. best eleven from the from the big six, yeah. um, so to speak. And and we were talking about that. And and I think maybe one person would get me in there. And uh, yeah. I think you know one maybe two people in that eleven. But generally right. speaking, on, honestly, and and I was thinking about this. I don't think you'd get more than two or three players in a small. Yeah, Four, small fourteen, small eleven 14. plus. <laughs> that speaks to the general quality throughout the. Are league, we now though? saying that Newcastle have leapfrogged us in size? Okay, no. I think so. so <laughs> just making sure I get the maths right. Then. No, Newcastle are in the small fourteen. I th- big six is the okay. super league teams. Is the big six as well. Right. So the other the other five super league teams take them out of the equation, including Spurs and the rest. So the small fifteen. If we can put together a dream team out of all them, the small fifteen. I mean, I don't yeah, think that's, that's too controversial. Earlier. What Dave said. One because there are many very yeah. good players in the league amongst all those clubs, but two because we are at our weakest point at the moment. Um, just give me a formation to use. Are we doing just give now? me a formation. Okay. I think most, most teams are playing 4-3-3, right, let's three, go four, three, three. So, Laurie's yeah. definitely not the best goalkeeper in the small 15. Nick Pope. Nick Pope is already... 
Nick Pope is already better. Well, you've, yeah. got, you've got a World Cup Car- winner. A few <laughs> Newcastle players so, probably in there, aren't they? Um, I, Trippier probably goes in. Maybe. Um, I'm not convinced about that either. I don't. I think Newcastle are a very well-managed side, mm. not a side of very good players, personally. I think their Brazilian Bruno is a very, very good player. He'd get in, actually. Um, but yeah. back four, if we're going with that... Don't know about Poro yet because he hasn't done enough. So probably no. Maybe Trippier's a shout for that. But there's also people like Tarek Lamptey and the like. So there's lots of contenders for that. Same looking at sort of uh, the left-back situation. There are good left-backs in the league that are definitely better than anyone we've got. So I don't think it's too controversial. Centre-backs. Do we think that Romero is one of the two best centre-backs outside of the top five? Probably. So let's go with Romero in there. Midfielders, Hmm. I think Benton Core gets in there regardless of who else we're throwing into that conversation. I think he's an exceptional player. I'd say he's the only one of ours that would, but I I 100% put him in there. Up front. Is someone writing this team down, by the way? I'm I'm not doing the rest of the team. I'm just keeping an an eye on this first. So I'm going Romero and Benton Core. Harry Kane obviously gets in there. He's debatably the best player in the league. So that's about that. So I think three Spurs players definitely get into there. Then the rest is is relatively semantical. This season's Kulisevsky, probably not. Last season's Kulisevsky, absolutely. This season's Son, definitely not. Last season's Son, obviously, (laughs) top scorer in the league. So it depends on... We we can get into semantics about former temporary classes, permanents, and then go five Spurs would get in. I think that's probably a bit wanky of me to do that. But I think three three based on this season, absolutely get in. Kane, Bentoncourt, and Romero. Okay. Pricey, how many Spurs players get in a Super League six? Top six, 11. How many Spurs players get in? You don't have to go through the whole team like Elliot just did, but you can just say Harry Kane, which is not necessarily the wrong answer. It's not necessarily stone cold definite though, is it? Uh, well, yeah, because actually if you're playing 4-3, if we're going on the 4-3-3 three, three yeah. mentality, actually, you put Haaland in above Kane. Sorry, but... No, you depends. don't. Who... Nonsense. I'm not having it. Do you think... <laughs> that depends on who the so other players are, though, doesn't does it? Does Kane score fewer goals than Haaland has uh, if he's uh, up actually, front for so Manchester City? The, the, one, the, one, the one person that would that would definitely get in for me is Ben Tanker. At the moment, based on current form availability, you know, we were kind of talking about Kante oh, and how... Though. How I good he was for Chelsea I yesterday. Think, I think uh, no. De Bruyne and Rodri is... De Bruyne, Odegaard and Rodri are in that team. Rodri, Casemiro. Yeah. Casemiro, I wouldn't put Casemiro yeah, in that because he's had two sendings but off it, but this again, season. It kind of depends how you... Romero's <laughs> out too, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I love Benzikutu, but I think that is I think push. Rodri, De Bruyne are already two of those positions. Odegaard, probably the third. Yeah. Though I'd go 4 3 one yeah. and play Kane as a 10 instead of Odegaard because Kane is a There's better 10 than Odegaard. Kane's the best number yeah, 10 in the league. That leaves Haaland in. Comes that crowbar, Elio. What would you yeah. rather watch? Yeah. Odegaard and Haaland or Kane and Haaland? Well, I haven't seen the Norway match recently. So. <laughs> I would love to see Kane and Haaland. And I should add as well, as just another shameless plug, it's very old and outdated now and all the stats on it are wrong, but I did halfway through the season post an article on the Plus Dave Press, which you should check out, by the way. There's not a huge amount on there, but check it out at plusdave.wordpress.com basically comparing Haaland and Kane's seasons and who's had a better season at that point. So uh, go and check that out. Guys, thank you for those ridiculous fantasy 11s. We'll try and put something together in a bit more of a formal capacity and post it on Twitter, shall we? We can we can do our own top six 11 and our 
small 15 11 as well and see what our our listeners slash followers think of it and on that point if you are listening and interested to see the stuff we come up with on social media please follow at plus dave podcast um it's been quite quiet of late because as i mentioned earlier i don't have a phone and i'm the one that normally updates it um but there, there is some stuff on there and also you can follow all of us i'm at plus dave dags elio is at elio underscore p underscore thfc dave is at fantasy dave and i believe pricey is too old and in the way to be particularly active on twitter am i correct in this yeah I, I do not have a twitter account um <laughs> okay can you make one for us <laughs> can you be like plus plus dave is that supporting elon musk in any way if if such then probably no sorry probably okay sorry. fair um, enough All right, i'll look we'll into it i'll look into it Brilliant. Well, this is already getting into quite a lengthy episode, but I think we've covered all the main points and there's been plenty of swearing as promised slash forewarned. Does anyone have anything to throw on the end? Anything to add in? Um, Elio, I'm sure you've been holding back some further thoughts, but anything um, you'd like to wrap things up with? Nah, f*** off, Joey Barton. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, am I right in thinking you're a little bit hungover today? Because yeah, uh, if so, I imagine you, you probably welcomed not having quite as much to... Less hungover, less hungover, more just tired. Just um, tired, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, not enough sleep. But I'm I'm fine, and I've really enjoyed this episode, and I can't wait to hear it back. Brilliant. And Pricey, as the special guest, I hope that it's not another 50 episodes until you're back with us again, <laughs> but I know you're a, you're a busy man with many commitments and adult responsibilities. Um, first of all, how have you enjoyed your time back on the Plus Day podcast? Oh, it's been wonderfully cathartic. <laughs> that's you know twice what, in a row we've heard that. Socks said the same thing. Yeah, this, this is obviously some kind of weird therapy session that we don't really <laughs> realize it is. Um, and secondly, can you just round things off for us and just give us your summarizing thoughts as we approach the last, what, nine games of the season? How are you feeling heading into the rest of the season as a Spurs fan right now? Well, is there I'm, reason to be I'm, I'm gonna, even remotely excited? I'm going to quote Elio from our group chat. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually going to use an Elio WhatsApp to sum things up. I don't care about winning anything or even playing good football anymore. I just want to identify with what I'm watching. Frankly, I'll drive Harry to wherever he wants to go at this point. <laughs> yeah, I stand by, anyway, I stand I by all of that. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. And just to clarify, that's drive Harry Redknapp to the first <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> On deadline day. Which Harry? Drive him around. Um, yeah. yeah. I should say, we, we don't have a Patreon or any kind of paywall or exclusive content, but if we ever decided to, I think some kind of behind the scenes access to our group chat might be an interesting perk. Maybe, maybe sort of pre approved, limited <laughs> oh, sections of it rather than just unfiltered to let somebody in. But maybe, you know, that, that could be something that could be interesting. Plus Dave uh, only fans coming to you. Plus Dave only fans. All right. Before we go down a really dark path, I think we should probably call time on this episode. But thank you, all three of you. And once again, thank you, everyone who's listened. I hope that some of you still care about Spurs. I know it's getting harder to every week, but it's nothing if not interesting, even if the football is uh, sometimes significantly less than interesting. But we will be here to marshal you through the rest of the season and we'll be back next week to report on the Brighton game. Hopefully it's another win. Hopefully we are all excited again about football and we will catch you then. So until then, stay classy Spurs fans and we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>